Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the BU Fitness Podcast. My name is Sean Pruce. I am a lead fitness faculty at Bryan University. Today in episode 17 of the BU Fitness Podcast, we are going to talk about supplements. Fitness is a field filled of misinformation <laughs> and dogma. Kyle and I want to talk about some of the supplements that actually do work to dispel some of the common belief and misinformation from what is actually true and effective according to research. Before we get into that, I do want to introduce my co-host. Joining me is, as always, is fellow Bryan University fitness faculty member, Kyle Thompson. Hello. And like Sean said, I'm always here. Kyle, <laughs> this is true. You, you, Kyle just sits here in this room where we record the podcast. So when I leave and I go home and I sleep at night, when you finish just listening here. to this podcast and you hang, hang out with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your kids, Kyle's just sitting here still. Waiting for the next podcast to be recorded. And thankfully that time is finally here. Yeah, it's been a couple <laughs> months. Well, I guess we have the other one, but you know. You look hung- hungry and a little sad. Uh, you know, Uber Eats. <laughs> Pretty convenient. So, um, I've actually just cut a hole in this window to my right. Not that anybody listening can see, uh, but uh, yeah, just cut a hole in the window. I mean, air conditioning expenses have gone up, but you know, it's Brown University's building, so it's not my not Screw my them. electric bill. Yeah, yeah. Man, who cares? <laughs> um, what the? Before we jump into the main topic and getting about? away from this this oh. weird tangent that we were on, there's something unique about us that relates to this topic. Now there we're both is. we're both fitness professionals. Both of us oh, worked for nutrition stores in the past. <laughs> we have. Oh, that's right. You were GNC. Correct. General. General I, Nutrition Center. Is that what it stands for? General. Nobody cares. <laughs> Sing. That's, Sorry, that's, GNC. That's don't good. sue us. I'm a gold card member. They won't hurt me. I worked for GNC when I was in college. It was my sophomore year of college. I worked there for six months, went through the training program. I actually, I was in a small GNC where it was myself, another sales associate, and then the manager. True story, the manager had left the country. He was originally from another country and he went back to that country and then he had uh, visa issues and had trouble getting back in. So I, by default, became the manager of the store and actually ran it for a while. That's awesome. Uh, another fun fact. Promotion. Uh, yes, promotion <laughs> by fire. Uh, uh, another fun fact. I'm pretty sure this is after the point where Fedra was banned. I'm Dang pretty it. sure he was selling a Fedra and steroids out of the oh, back like. of the office. He was a hugely muscular guy, and there would be guys who come in. His name was Robbie, and people would come in, oh, and definitely. they would say, is uh, Ravi here? And then I said, "Oh yeah, Ravi's right over there." And then they would, and then they would go talk to Ravi. They'd go in the back office, close the door, and then they would come out and they would they would just leave. Like they didn't want to go to the, the register. It was a small store. I would know. I mean, they, but they would just leave the store. I don't know what happened, but I I Maybe know that's for why sure. There were visa issues. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Huh. It would be mm. fun to dive into. But I can tell you for sure that Ravi told me that he was still using ephedra. He would go to the gym, and according to what he would tell me, he would train for two to three hours 
and he still used Ephedra even though he banned. He had a connection to, I don't know how he got it, but he would still use Ephedra. He said it, it was crazy effective for helping him work at a high intensity level for hours. And he was a very muscular guy and other muscular guys would come in and have this seeming, you know, this back office dealings with him. Mm. Anyway, that's the GNCI I worked at. After six months, I left and stuck to work in the gyms. Um, well, <clears throat> we didn't have that much of shady issues going on. So I, uh, I helped open a store in my college town called Wildcat Nutrition. And then um, it, shortly after then met uh, one, one of my good friends, Luke. You know Luke. Yes. Uh, we opened a place called Nutrition Zone. And, uh, ooh, I probably can't say this yet because it's still – technically under nutrition zone everything was up to par in nutrition zone we followed all the rules um <laughs> but okay, <clears> sarcasm <throat> yeah, not at all so but you know nothing that shady uh, nobody got stuck there but but i ended up running that store for a while and then i actually moved out here to um to to work for uh, uh, another guy who had a store and their promises of, of running my own store which Never, never, <laughs> never came to be. Uh, but anyways, yeah, we, we've uh, we've both spent a lot of time in supplement stores and and seen a lot of garbage come yes. on the shelves. Um, and and we lot. both take supplements. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, never mind. I'm gonna just tone L- down my sarcasm. Sarcastic yeah. comments. Okay, um. <laughs> fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> here's why we had this episode. I'm going to read you the definition of dogma, even though you likely know what this means. Dogma, a principle laid down by an authority as incontrovertibly true. A principle mm. laid down by an authority like as incontrovertibly true. Notice the definition is not a principle that is incontrovertibly true. Can I interject? Please. Now, this, this kind of goes along with our supplement talk here today because anybody can start a supplement company. Right? There's very few regulations on it. Now, I mean, you can go through like NSF or CGMP, which are kind of uh, organizations that, that ensure quality and that yes. you're not putting rat poison or whatever in there. But you don't have to do that to be on the shelf. Correct. Because uh, nothing is FDA approved. You yes. just kind of have to say so. So maybe Sean and I, since we have the experience and we're, we're going to start talking about supplements here in a minute, we start our own supplement company. We call it Dogma Pharma. What do you think? I think it sounds good. I think people would. would it's the name of a winner. Would definitely buy it. Dogma Pharma. Plus, it's kind of, you know, I mean, it rhymes, but not very well. We'll think of something. If you took weight management with us <laughs> at Brown University in week five, there's a video that was a satire playing on the loose rules of the FDA. Now, if the FDA approves something, there's there's some validity to it, but there's a lot of supplements with claims that are not FDA approved. And there's claims that they can make that are too subjective and there's no real ruling. There's not a, really a meaning on it. Like the word is like uh, clean and natural. If something, oh, this is clean, I realize this is a popular term in, in fitness and nutrition. It doesn't have a meaning. It's not a real term. It's just like I, I can make up a term and just describe myself as being that, and, and that's essential what clean is. Clean foods, clean supplement, it doesn't mean anything. If a food is all natural or a supplement's all natural, it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't carry any value whatsoever. Well, here's the thing. Cyanide is natural, so what's your point? You know, uh, that's, I hate the, the, that term. Oh, this is natural. Really? 
there are a lot of things that are natural in this universe, and they're not necessarily good for you, and they're not necessarily yes, yeah. So there's organic sugar, which yeah. now organic is means something, but sugar is still unhealthy. It doesn't matter yeah, where it, it came it, from. It definitely, especially in large quantities. Uh, yes, you know, organic caffeine. I saw that somewhere not too long ago. Oh yes, that's right. I, like I, a bang or something. An energy drink? It was, uh, it was a bang or rain, one of those energy drinks. Same thing? Yes. At least, well, apparently. The lawsuit will determine yeah, that. Yeah, the lawsuit will rain. determine yes. that one. Um, <laughs> is that over with? I don't know. I think it's still going on. You know what? I'll, I'll buy both. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> no. The Yeah, the, the whole notion of, of natural is, is kind of garbage. Um, mm. And it's nice and it sounds sexy and like, hey, Try our natural supplements. Oh, cool. How do you get unnatural supplements? Like, what? Like, I mean, you can. Yes. But you're going to have to be a pretty good chemist to, to actually create that. And yeah, anyway. We, the, fitness is filled with dogma about things that people say are true. Filled. And because a big name supported them, whether it's an author, a social media person with tens or hundreds of thousands of followers, mm -hmm. uh, an author, uh, a, fit, a TV personality, it doesn't mean it's true. Uh, it, it's not It's not valid. People are unfortunately subject to bias. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. People, even very well-educated and very uh, successful people, are prone to bias. Therefore, we want to talk about things that are proven by research to be effective. We want to avoid dogma. There are many things in fitness that are just not true, such as the whole eat many meals per day to improve your metabolism. That's, that's, a, that's a myth. There's no research behind that. I've talked about before in class that static stretching, when you hold the stretch for 30 seconds or a minute, that does not decrease injury risk in, in working out or in, in uh, athletic activities. So we want to dispute, uh, we want to basically present facts. With that in mind, Kyle and I each have three supplements that we want to talk about, things that are being are shown to be effective. We came up with a list on our own. We just happen to have one supplement that carries over, which we will get to. However, first we're gonna go. We're gonna jump back and forth. Kyle's gonna show uh, pre present one. I'm gonna present one. Kyle will present a second. I'll present my second. Kyle, <laughs> you're gonna lead us off. What is the first supplement that you recommend and why? Oh well, first of all, this is one of my favorite supplements, and quite possibly, well, in reality, it's a drug, and it is the most abused drug in the entire world. And you know what? There's a good chance that you guys listening actually abuse it too. And it's called caffeine. I love caffeine. I've got coffee over here. Well, not very much left, but I still have some coffee. Uh, we were talking about the bang and the natural caffeine and, you know, whatever. Um, caffeine has ergogenic aid, uh, you know, potential, should I say. Um, <clears throat> so, caffeine, caffeine has been shown. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, my, my brain just, like, I came up with, like, 30 different things I want to talk about caffeine, and yeah. then it, it just stopped. Take a deep breath, uh, big guy. <sighs> Let's go. Get excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> so consuming caffeine, right, aside from just waking up in the morning, and for me, I just love the taste of coffee, it does yes. have an effect on performance. Uh, and there's, there is a reason why you may want to take it. Now, <clears throat> what we've seen in endurance training, and most most research uh, typically shown in endurance type yes. type. Uh, type Exercises, should I say? Uh, but endurance is in uh, cardio, VO two activities, or muscle endurance. 
uh, cardio VO2 activity. Okay. Such as uh, in <clears throat> in one study, it was done, oh, eh, I forget. You know what? I don't remember. It was okay. a while ago. But um, <laughs> 1.5 kilometers, which is, do you know how many miles? I don't. It's like, what, 1.6, <clears throat> I believe, uh, kilometers per mile? So it's about a mile. Okay. About a mile. We'll call it a mile. Um, <clears throat> people were 4.2 seconds faster, right, on average. Uh, yeah. At a five kilometer, we're looking at one, and they put it in percentages, so I don't have the exact, uh, but one to three percent faster. Five kilometers is 3.1 miles. Correct. Okay. And people were 3% faster? 3% faster. That's a big one deal. One to 3%. Um, eight kilometers, 24 seconds faster. 10 kilometers with a military pack march. I don't know what they considered the military pack uh, to be. I'm not sure if they what standard loadout they used. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll just assume, probably around 60 pounds, um, 60 to 120. So, yeah, there's, there's a bit of a range there. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know that, but they, they put uh, or they saw a 50-second increase. And in, this is a march. So this is still endurance. It's not necessarily running, uh, but it is um, – endurance aspect. So you see an increase, or sorry, not an increase in time, a decrease in time. So yes. a, a de- an increase in performance. Um, <clears throat> now, how much were they consuming? This range anywhere from 200 milligrams up to, uh, I think, five, uh, five milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So five milligrams okay. of caffeine for every kilogram of body weight that you weigh. Uh, we've also seen rowing uh, in two thousand meter race one to three percent faster. Okay, swimming fifteen hundred meter race twenty four seconds faster. Now these are averages. I'm not saying you're going to get this. Um, cycling, they actually saw an increase in mean power for a forty kilometer race. Mm-hmm. So throughout the entire forty kilometers, they saw a three point five percent increase in mean power. Now, you may be wondering, that's awesome, right? A bunch of percentages and seconds and all that stuff. But how much should I take? Because I don't know about you. Uh, well, I know that both of us, because we've been here for a while and we've definitely consumed a lot, um, of, caffeine. A lot of caffeine in yes. that time. And at certain times, we've probably you know stayed off of caffeine. And other times, we've consumed more caffeine, yes. uh, depending on how the workload is. So what is optimal? What should you be consuming? So... In studies, they've shown or they, they've tested, should I say, anything from two to nine milligrams a kilogram. Okay. Two to nine milligrams a kilogram. Where they've wow. seen effective is two to five milligrams a kilogram. Two to five milligrams per kilogram. So yes. we're looking at to per kilogram. So we're looking at roughly uh, a milligram per pound, or or more. Yes. Sorry, I was like, wait. Ballpark. Yeah, yeah. So a hundred pound person. Uh, two to five, so that would be about hundred hundred pound person is ballpark. If you can find one, ballpark like a, a hundred to two hundred milligrams. A hundred and fifty person, <laughs> if you could find one, a hundred and fifty pound person is looking at a hundred and fifty to three hundred milligrams of caffeine. Two hundred pound person ballpark two hundred milligrams to four hundred milligrams. Yeah, or a little more. Two to two. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little bit more. Yeah. But, uh, so, a, so for yeah. instance, me, like, I'm about a hundred. I think I'm 103 kilograms. So we'll just call it 100 kilograms for for simplicity's sake. Um, I would be consuming anywhere from 200 to 500 milligrams of caffeine. 
<clears throat> so quite a bit. Now, keep in mind, you don't want to consume this caffeine uh, you know, at 8 a.m. and then expect the results or, or the impact on your performance at 5 p.m. Uh, some studies have shown consuming the caffeine 30 minutes to an hour before okay. of those doses of 2 to 5 milligrams a kilogram. So, wow. for instance, me taking 500 milligrams of caffeine right before... <laughs> Right before a workout and just going to town. Huh. Now, I'm not going to do that. I did try this because when I was reading, uh, re- I don't know, whenever this was, I did try it. I just wanted to see how it reacted. Awful. Don't ever want to do that again. It was way too much caffeine to then go <laughs> continue uh, exercising. So um, <clears throat> if you're looking at how much you should consume, you start on the low end, the two milligrams per kilogram or roughly a, a gram a milligram per, per pound. pound you try that see how you do now uh, you know if you're looking at well how many milligrams are in this and that and this so if you're drinking like a, a soda like a cola that's about 40 milligrams of caffeine uh, Red Bull 90 90 milligrams of caffeine um, a bang 300 milligrams of caffeine yes. so a lot of these different energy drinks uh, coffee monsters 140 milligrams yeah um, Coffee, it varies depending on the brew and how long it's been, like, you know, actually brewed and ground and all that stuff. So I say 50 to 100 milligrams. Uh, it's kind of iffy. I mean, you'll notice a difference probably whenever you drink it. Um, tea can be, you know, as low as 20 all the way up to 100. Um, it's all over the place. One thing I do want to add mm-hmm. as far as one of the things that could uh, cause a like you know, pass the, the point or the point of diminishing returns. Yes. Um, <clears throat> is if you consume too much caffeine and try to go for a run, your blood will be pumping too fast through your lungs to actually effectively engage in oxygen exchange. Therefore, you will not be absorbing enough oxygen and getting rid of, rid of, getting rid of enough CO two to make it an endurance exercise. It almost okay. ends up being anaerobic. Interesting. So your, your slight jog, huh. your heart rate may be pegged. Yes. Um, to be even more specific, it takes about a quarter second in the capillary, right, to, to have effective gas exchange. At maximal heart rate, you're looking at it's like 0.1 to 0.15 um, seconds. So too fast. Too fast. Okay. I don't know why that came to my head. Why I remember that. <laughs> I remember this from my bachelor's program. Uh, for, for whatever reason, I just... So well, there's, I a, there's a cap. There's a threshold. It's yeah, just not... Yeah. For people who are listening, it's just not <laughs> go to town. There's no upper limit. There's an upper limit where it becomes... There's yes. diminishing returns. It becomes detrimental at a certain point. Yeah, as it is with any supplement, any, of any course. type of stimulus. So start with two milligrams per kilogram. One, sorry, one milligram per pound, mm-hmm. and then go up from there. I do want to add as a brief note before mm-hmm. getting to my first supplement. I, as some of you might know, I'm a freelance ghostwriter. I write articles, fitness articles for fitness companies uh, based on research and sell them, and then they publish my articles based on, uh, usually under the name of an employee, like the CEO of the company. I wrote an article about a year ago on the effects of caffeine on muscle endurance. One thing that caffeine also showed is in addition to the benefits you mentioned, people perform more reps after caffeinating when they're doing their strength training workout. So if you choose a weight, uh, let's say you're, you're doing a squat and it's, mm-hmm. it's a weight that you can 
only complete eight reps with. If you caffeinate before the workout, it's possible you might be able to get roughly 10 or 11 reps. So that was another benefit noted by caffeine. I don't have the amounts on me. It's not something I've looked yeah. up. I, I do remember that the the article showed that. Um, go ahead. Do you want to yeah, add something? Yeah, no, no, now that you mentioned that, uh, th- there's also, uh, there's no like proven effects as far as with strength and, and necessarily, but consuming towards that upper limit around five milligrams, and I've seen even six milligrams per kilogram, and okay. I'm not telling you to do this, um, some people have reported increases in strength. Uh, so so in other words, I would take six milligrams a kilogram, pound that before my um, one rep max attempt on squat or something. Gotcha. You're probably not going to be comfortable um, whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, one RMs aren't comfortable anyway. So no. um, that, is, that is something I've seen. Again, it's not... Uh, it's not shown across the board, so it's not a general consensus as far as that we've reached in the in the scientific community. I'm going to switch over now to my first supplement recommendation. Oh, fine. <laughs> if we have to. <laughs> I want to talk about caffeine more. <laughs> Enough about caffeine. My first supplement recommendation is omega-3 fatty acids. This is something I wrote about in my blog a couple of years ago. I'm going to talk about some of those benefits. I'm also going to talk about other benefits uh, that I did not talk about in my blog. Now, the omega-3 fatty acids, I am a big fan. They are, as some of you know who are listening, I am a more health-focused, longevity-focused. There was a study, a review of research. Uh, the author's name was Swanson, uh, S-W-A-N-S-O-N. Swanson, in the journal Advances in Nutrition in 2012, published this review of research where they looked at many different studies on the benefits of omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids, in my opinion, are one of the more healthful supplements a person could take. So if you are looking at preventing heart disease, if you're looking at longevity, this is something that I highly recommend considering for yourself. The biggest causes in people, one of the biggest causes in people who get heart disease is inflammation. Omega-3 fatty acids are one of the biggest, one of the biggest supplements for decreasing inflammation. It also reduces oxidative stress, which is a common damage that happens. Um, now, do you want to explain? You're probably going to explain this better. Oxidative stress. What exactly is that? Free radicals, oxidative stress. Uh- I don't know the best way to describe that without going too far into chemistry, but but essentially, you the, the oxidative stress is causing a a molecule to become deformed, deformed, uh, and it goes around and wreaking havoc within the cell, within mm-hmm. the body, and causing more damage. So it's kind of like if. Sean irritates me and I get really upset and I start flipping tables in this room and just causing, creating chaos. And then Sean comes back in, he gives me some caffeine. That might be a bad <laughs> idea. I don't yes. need more caffeine. He gives me something that's make me happy. Yes. Um, Pop-Tart, strawberry Pop-Tart. Yes. He gives me a strawberry Pop-Tart and I calm down. So that's kind of the relationship between free radicals and, um, and antioxidants. Sorry. Yes, the antioxidants help the free radicals. The free radicals cause oxidative stress. Correct, correct. Uh, Sorry, I kind of went off on a different... That's okay. Uh, (laughs) I know you want to talk about Pop-Tarts. I do. The point of this is the omega-3 fatty acids can actually reduce oxidative stress and reduce inflammation. And as a result, it reduces cardiovascular disease. The chances that person gets oxidative... uh, Chances that person gets 
cardiovascular disease ultimately. It also, people who consume more omega-3 fatty acids are less likely to have myocardial infarction, otherwise known as a heart attack, and heart failure. In addition, consuming omega-3 fatty acids reduces the risk of Alzheimer's disease and dementia in general. So there are a number of common diseases that omega-3 fatty acids reduces the risk for or can help prevent. There was another study, and this is switching gears of another benefit for why I highly recommend omega-3 fatty acids. There was a study published in the International Journal of Obesity in 2007, and there were three different groups looking at weight loss, and one group was the control group, and essentially what they did is they had everyone eat the same amount of calories, and one group of the three had one and a half grams of omega-3 fatty acids per day, and they ate the same amount of calories, same diet otherwise, and that group of the omega-3 fatty acids lost fat over a couple weeks, including in the midsection, especially in the midsection. So omega-3 fatty acids, and this has been duplicated in other studies, consuming omega-3 fatty acids at least a gram and a half per day, or 1,500 milligrams per day, is shown to create fat loss especially in the midsection. It's, it's, it's almost like a spot-reducing thing where if you want to lose, help lose your gut, omega-3 fatty, fatty acids can help contribute to that. And the last thing I want to say to this before we go to the next mm-hmm. supplement, the reason why omega-3 fatty acids are so important, naturally in our diet, we are consuming foods that are high in omega-6 fatty acids. Omega-6 fatty acids are inflammatory. Omega-3 fatty acids are anti-inflammatory. They reduce inflammation. Now, ideally, we would have roughly equal amounts of both, right? Or maybe a little bit more of omega-6. It depends on the, on the source you look at. I've seen five to one ratio, four to one ratio, two to one, two to one, one to one. Um, you know, one to one, you're sitting pretty. I mean, five to one, I think is good. Um, yeah. Okay. Now your data may be different, but I, I've seen that the current state, or at least the current state, was uh, as of a few years ago that it was upwards of eighteen or to twenty five to one ratio of omega six to omega uh, three. Now. I do want to say omega-6s are still important. Yes. Um, it's not that you shouldn't consume that. Exactly. Exactly. So you still need omega-6s for, for general function. It's good for, for cognitive function. Um, <clears throat> but too much of it is a problem. And the diet that most people have, processed foods, vegetable oils, such as uh, foods that are based in soybean oil, mm-hmm. canola oil, other, other vegetable oils. It's just... They're really, really high in omega-6 fatty acids. Uh, something that you can do, aside from taking omega-3, uh, is you can, of course, people think fish, salmon, things like that, yes. or, or, or fish sources. Uh, in addition to that, you can look at things like chia seeds flax or seeds. flax seeds, flaxseed oil. Um, whenever, whenever I'm on my salad kick, I will have chia seed, flaxseed, and flaxseed oil in there with some, wow. with some vinegar, which okay. I, learned that, I learned the vinegar part from you. Um, oh, yeah, that orange peel, something vinegar from Trader Joe's. Apple or, or cider. Well, the, the orange, off. the orange, the <laughs> yeah, orange, um, orange something. champagne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Anyway, Trader Joe's, very good. Um, but that's uh, kind of like an omega-3 pack. With uh-huh. most people, we're consuming way too many omega-6s and not enough omega-3s. So the, yes. the whatever it is, the flax seeds, the chia seeds, the, the fish oil... If you get fish oil, you want to, and, and the goal is to get uh, omega-3s, 
make sure I, I the studies I've looked at are over a gram or a thousand milligrams per day where there's value. Uh, the weight loss studies seem to be 1.4, 1.8 grams, 2 grams per day. I personally take 2 grams per day, um, but in the studies it seems like 1.4 grams and more per day is the threshold that seems to be healthful. And you're supplementing that? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking fish oil, but okay. fish oil that only has omega-3s. Okay. No omega-6s, okay. no omega-9s. And that's uh, and, and it's just to counteract the imbalance of omega-6s and omega-3s. Both that's are good. healthful. We consume too many omega-6s, so we have to, um, most people have to take more omega-3s in some form to balance out those things. And that's where the health benefits, the heart disease benefits, the weight benefits, the, the cognitive and brain benefits come in. Kyle, your second supplement. Second supplement, and guess what? It's also your second supplement, yep. and that is creatine. Creatine is great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's it, guys. That's all we need to know about creatine. All right, so creatine. Let's, let's talk about the, the basic premise as far as what does it actually do. Now we have these different energy systems in the body, and how we create this molecule that we call ATP mm -hmm. stands for adenosine triphosphate. That's our energy currency. Yes. If you've had our classes before in which we talk about this, you've probably heard that a million times. So we have to create ATP. One of creatine's jobs, right, as far as in the energy ATP, ATP creation, not energy creation, because we can't do that, um, but ATP creation is to resynthesize ATP. So what happens whenever we, we hydrolyze ATP, uh, we, we take one of those phosphates off of the ATP and we create an ADP, adenosine diphosphate, meaning mm -hmm. two phosphates, and then we have the other phosphate floating off by itself, right? So what creatine does, essentially grabs that sucker, says, hey, you know what, let's go over to this ADP, make ATP again. And it just kind of brings back that phosphate that we rip off over and over again. That's essentially what it does. Now the idea of, of, of well, hold on, first of all, we use that in high intensity exercises, roughly about 10 seconds, 15 seconds, depending on, you know, what textbook you're reading. But really short duration, really high intensity. So think one rep max, uh, a clean and jerk, uh, anything of the sort. Uh, maybe sprinting 40 meters, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's another good analogy. Um, we don't really get much benefit at, uh, out of it from running 15 miles or running a marathon or half marathon or anything of the sort. So creatine would be good for supplementing for strength athletes, strength-based athletes. Sorry, since we are both attacking this, I will shut up for a second and let you go. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Creatine, we use it for, we use creatine as a fuel for really intense activity. This could be strength training with heavyweights, it's sprinting, it's things that we're going all out and that are requiring, uh, mainly requiring about 10, mainly 10 seconds or less. Uh, but it also can go a little bit beyond that. But basically, the really high intensity activity, and it could even just be spurts during activities, like if in basketball, for example, sprinting down the court on a fast break. So that whatever it is, three or four or five seconds during a fast break where someone's running down, or in football when someone has the ball and they're sprinting downfield, something like that, high intensity activity. So creatine has a bunch of uses. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into a few, and then I'll turn this back over to you, Kyle. Sure. Creatine increases strength and muscle for people who are in strength training programs. So that's one thing. There was, uh, for example, 
A study uh, produced by the lead author was Kandow, C-A-N-D-O-W, from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning, published in 2011. What that person's research, his research showed is that taking creatine two times a week or three times a week only with strength training leads to more strength and muscle gains than people who did the same training but took no creatine with it. So, and, but he showed there was no, even no difference between the two and three times a week. So as long as you took, if you trained two times a week and you took creatine with it, it, it led to more strength and muscle gain. So even just that amount. And then there was another study that showed that, uh, especially this was beneficial when people took it post-workout, more than pre-workout. And this was, um, the author's name was Antonio. And this is from the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition, published in 2013. People actually lost more fat, gained more strength, and gained more muscle taking when taking five grams of creatine post-workout. Yes. Ooh. So essentially, taking creatine led to more strength, more muscle, especially when taken after workout, just five grams. And one other thing I want to note is there's actually some health benefit People who take creatine, they actually, in some studies, their cognitive function improved. Cognitive function is critical thinking, is being able to focus when you are, you know, when you have many potential distractions, is being able to switch tasks quickly if you're trying to go from focusing on, let's say, uh, work to then a phone call, or focusing on your kids to then focusing on the road if you're driving. So it's that kind of quick switching from task to task and it is also shown to reduce the risk of dementia and depression symptoms over the long term perfect um you know uh, this is something that was published i believe in 2017 or 2018 um because you're talking about consuming five grams post-workout yes uh what this shows is that the maximum that people usually are able to absorb is about two and a half to three grams at a time. So I wonder Interesting. if um, if there would be any change from a let's say two we'll just break up two even doses of that five grams, two and a half grams, you know, post workout, and then maybe a few hours later after I'll take another two and a half grams. Now that's just speculation. Uh, either way, <clears throat> it seems that there are definite benefits of of, of creatine. Uh, it's been shown to increase the number of repetitions you can perform at a high weight, you know, within that 10 seconds, a high load, uh, you know, that 10 seconds or less by 14%. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's got like an 8% increase in overall strength over the placebo, uh, which is pretty, you know, wow. pretty decent, right? Yeah, Who wouldn't want an 8% so. increase? Um, and of course, you know, like you're saying, the body composition. So it's, and here's the beautiful thing about creatine, it's cheap. Now, there's a bunch of different types of creatines out there. Creatine ethylase or creatine, uh, creatine nitrate. I like creatine nitrate for the, the vasodilation aspect of things. Okay. Um, I didn't pick vasodilators as a, a top supplement. And um, I, I think it fell short just because there's not a, it's not a huge benefit in comparison to the other ones we're talking about. So anyway, it's you don't have to really get the fancy creatine. Get creatine monohydrate. No, you're not going to get puffy and fat off of that. You may retain a little <laughs> bit of water, but you know what? Most of us are dehydrated. You'll be fine. Um, <clears throat> no, but uh, all joking aside, creatine monohydrate, you can get 100 servings, 20 bucks. 100 servings at 5 wow. grams for, for 20 bucks. So you really can't beat that. 
um, you spend, you know, 60 bucks a year. Well, I guess a little more than that. Fine. <laughs> $80 a year. Yes, not, not that at all. Um, but anyway, yeah, so a very cost-effective supplement uh, that, that is beneficial for, you know, high-intensity, short-duration exercise. Now, if you're a runner, it's not going to influence you whatsoever. Um, if, you're, if you're, you know, looking at, like, CrossFit or CrossFit wads or, like, a 20-minute AMRAP, not really going to help you that much. But if you're trying to improve your one-rep max on the clean and jerk, it's going to help. Now, it, I should say not going to help. It can help. 40% of people are non-responders. Wow. So part of the reason for that is that, one, we consume creatine in our diet. Yes. Meats and fish, or, yes. or especially red meats. Um, in addition to that... Explain we, non-responder. I, I realize the name oh, okay. implies it, but I feel like that's a researcher so, term, and maybe there's people who don't read research who might be wondering. People probably listening to this right now have taken creatine and no difference. Mm -hmm. Didn't help you. And that's, you know, common, right? 40, around 40% 40 of people are not responding to it. So that's what that means is that you're, you're not going to see a benefit from it. And, and the reason why is it could be that you're synthesizing enough creatine, you're consuming enough creatine as is. So if you're consuming a lot of red meat um, and then, you know, you're synthesizing creatine roughly about two grams per day, uh, you may not really see a benefit because there's a certain create, we'll say like a creatine store level, kind of like a, a creatine fuel tank that you have in your body. Uh, it's not like some separate organ or anything like that. But uh, let's say your, your creatine levels are high. Adding more fuel yes. to that tank isn't going to help. It's kind of like if your gas tank is full, you're not going to go stop and get gas. You're wasting <laughs> time. So you could be that. Now, given that it's cheap, $20, Take it for a few weeks and then um, see what happens. Anything happens, yeah. Then awesome. If nothing, then uh, okay. Before we move on, I did want to ask you a question. I do want to ask you a question. You do want to ask. There is. I've heard before about cycling creatine and the need to go on it, go off it, go on it, go off it. Is is that something people should do, or is it something that people can just take continuously, like? omega-3 fatty acids and, and caffeine the long-term side effects are anecdotal some people say gi symptoms uh, liver function issue muscle cramping uh, but it's not consistent across the board in research so i would say this if you're experiencing something and it, you've been on creatine you've been utilizing creatine for a long period of time maybe i can't say yes or no because there's not enough data to, to okay. sway one way or the other I've seen um, five to twenty grams as the recommended dosage for people who take creatine. Do you? Uh, is that what you've seen? Uh, yeah, I would say even less, about five grams. Okay, five, five grams. grams is a nice maintenance dose that, that typically is what what we see. Um, upwards of twenty, you're probably if you're taking monohydrate, you'll probably see some of that water retention that people do not want. Now, let's move on to our final ones. Nice. Obviously, creatine was both of our second supplements that we recommend kyle will therefore go back to you what is your third and final oh, recommended this supplement? is one of my favorites and you are obviously very excited i'm for this very one. excited for this one um <clears throat> clear my throat this is beta alanine now you may or may not be familiar with this but if you've ever taken a pre-workout and you notice that um itchiness the itchy feeling the itchy feeling um <laughs> That's beta alanine. It's not the niacin flush a lot of people think it is. It's actually the beta alanine. 
Um, <clears throat> and what that does is that it actually kind of, um, oh, what is that called? I'm drawing a blank on what that's called, but but it interferes with uh, or it basically influences the the nerve endings in your skin. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Okay. Anyway, that's why you're getting the itchy feeling. Beta um, alanine from beta alanine. Oh, God dang it! I don't have. Can I, before you get into beta uh, alanine yes, and constructive information, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Oh, one of our colleagues, one of the other fitness faculty, uses pre workout before he works out. I have I have never taken pre workout. And I don't use it. I'm. I, I just don't. I, I, it's not something I want to get into the habit of, of of getting into of, of using. So sure. one day I wanted to try it just for the sake of trying it, having that experience. But I wasn't going to work out. So I, I he let me kindly take a scoop of pre-workout, and then I just went back to my desk and continued grading and talking to students. So I pre-workout and then went back to my <laughs> my desk-based work. Well, grading's intense. So, yes, yeah. yeah, grading super intense. My skin was itching and and tingly. I was thinking to myself, "What the hell's going on here?" Um, and I was like scratching my neck and my forms. It was a weird experience. Now I know. Thank you, beta alanine. Paresthesia. So you're saying that is That's also the name of it? Okay. Paris- Paresthesia. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. So, uh, beta-alanine. Anyway, beta-alanine, right? So, back to beta-alanine. What this does is that it's going to be useful in buffering the acid that we produce in high-intensity training. So, if you go off and you sprint as far as you can, or if you're a CrossFitter and you do Fran, uh, you know what you know what that lactate threshold is. You know what that burning sensation where you feel like your muscles are, are, are on fire, on fire, burning, whatever you want to call it. Sure. And you feel like you're going to die. Um, and that's going to be a hindrance to performance. And what's happening there is that we're producing something called lactate. And then with that is associated something called hydrogen ion, which is acid. That acid decreases the pH in your, in your muscle cell. Why is that important? Because we operate an optimal pH. So in other words, if I become too acidic or too uh, alkaline in that in that muscle, in this case too acidic, my muscle cell doesn't function right, right? And it can cause cell damage. And what it does is it actually inhibits some of the enzymes in your cells from, from continuing to utilize the process that would create the lactate. Anyway, the purpose of beta-alanine is that it helps shuttle something we call carnosine into the muscle. Now, carnosine is a natural buffer to acid. So, in other words, the, the, the acid that you're producing is going to have less of an effect from consuming beta-alanine. Now, the benefit of this is not going to be, you know, your 20-minute AMRAPs or your 20-minute of high-intensity interval training, not going to see a lot of benefit. Typically, it's five minutes or less. So, something like Fran, which is a 21-15-9 of... Um, thrusters and pull-ups, mm-hmm. right, in that, that rep scheme, 21 thrusters, 21 uh, pull-ups, and then 15, 15, 9, 9. I have no idea. Okay, I, Sean's not familiar, not familiar with exercise. So, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> anyway, the point is that it's a really high-intensity thing. It should, you know, if you should be able to get it under five minutes. Okay. Um, this is where we see beta-alanine helping with that increase in carnosine, increasing buffering the lactate. Um <clears throat> There are other products out there that buffer lactic acid, like, oh, well, you can take baking soda, for instance. But taking enough baking soda to, to help with that is going to uh. cause GI distress. You're going to feel awful. Great thing about beta-alanine is that the only thing you have is that tingling, that pin feeling in your face, which 
If you're like me, I kind of enjoy it. Just throwing it out there. Um, so anyway, how much do you need? You need anywhere from three to six, six and a half grams per day. Now you have, it doesn't take effect immediately. You have to supplement it for roughly four weeks to actually start seeing the great benefits. Um, <clears throat> this is every day, every day. So that's one of my favorite ones because I like high intensity training. I like the high intensity intervals, you know, uh, at five minutes or less. And, and well, then again, I also told you, I like that tingling sensation. Yes. Um, beta alanine, you can get that, that raw. Um, you can get the powder. It's fairly cheap as well, like creatine. Creatine, caffeine, and, and, and beta-alanine, all cheap supplements. Fish oil isn't really that bad either. No. Um, Trader Joe's sells fish oil pills, quality fish oil pills for $13. It's not bad. No. Now, I know some people will talk about the quality and, you know, this and manufacturing and, and that, you know, yes, you'll have to pay attention to that, but that's a whole different rabbit hole yes. that we would have to go into. Uh, or down or whatever. Um, but anyway, that's beta alanine. To look at this in a, so basically before we leave this in a, to put this in a practical perspective, I'm yes. getting my words together. To put this in a practical <laughs> perspective, it seems like you're saying beta alanine will increase muscle endurance because people won't fatigue as quickly due to a high acidic pH level that Correct. normally happens when people are getting close to muscle fatigue. Correct, so muscle fatigue is delayed. Okay, fascinating. I was not aware whatsoever. Sorry, I, I sh probably should have said that, but th there is no change in strength or VO2 max or anything of the sort. Okay, so just, just muscle endurance. Just muscular endurance at a high intensity. Okay. So all out effort, whatever that is for you. Um, sprinting, 800 meters, sprinting, you know, somewhere around that range, anywhere around five minutes or less, you'll see a benefit. Ah, fascinating. Uh, this is all new to me. Cool. Although I, I've heard you talk about beta alanine many times. <laughs> My final supplement and the final one we're going to recommend on this episode of the podcast is a very basic and common one. However, I still think this is something that's needed, hence why I'm bringing this up here. Kyle agree or disagree? Most people, <laughs> all right, well, that's great. <laughs> Most people do not consume enough protein. Oh, 100% agree. I have clients right now, that is their main focus. Rather than giving them a meal plan, yes. I focus on the protein consumption. Sorry, go ahead. I find the same. And especially most of the non-fitness professionals who are strength training, who I advise, speak with, uh, even have the occasional conversation to mm -hmm. check on their program, the vast majority don't consume enough protein. And we had a previous episode about this. I won't get into a ton of detail. But people generally should consume, if they're strength training, a gram per pound per day of protein. 150-pound person should consume 150 or more grams of protein. 200-pound person, 200 grams of protein per day. And this increases for people who want to lose weight. For people who lose weight, they want to. They should be consuming, according to the research, about 1.2 grams of protein yes. per day or more. So a 200-pound person who's trying to lose weight should be consuming that is uh, 240 grams or more per day. The supplement I recommend is based on this because people are not getting enough protein, and that is I recommend whey protein. Simple enough. 
the reason why uh, well the people aren't consuming enough but there is a threshold needed to maximize muscle gain mm-hmm. for people who are strength training and it's the numbers the numbers that I just recommended are helping to get to that are at that threshold also in addition for protein when people re- replace fat or carbohydrate calories in their diet with protein calories it generally tends to lead to more fat loss or at least when yep. they're calorie restricting and they're focusing more of their, their calories on protein, it helps create more fat loss. I think we, we talked about that in our protein uh, podcast. Uh, was it a protein podcast? Uh, yes. We brought up protein. We brought up protein. And, and talked about the amounts. Yeah, the isocaloric diet, uh, meaning the same amount of calories and the higher protein yielded yes. greater fat loss. Um, than the than the lower protein diet, and you know there, there are people that that I've helped with their diet that are consuming twenty to forty grams of protein a day, and that's not enough for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. So that's that's it's alarmingly low. Uh, and are you going to go into why way and not like egg or something yes. like that? Okay, never mind. I'll well, wait. that's actually I'd love your input on that. Sure. I did want to say also, protein is rated as the most satiating nutrient. Now, it would be more satiating if you're getting it from a piece of chicken than if you're getting it from from whey. But it also helps retain muscle mass during weight loss, which is not a it's not a given. Uh, I've seen research where people are losing roughly a quarter of their weight loss from muscle when they're not consuming enough protein. But when they're consuming enough protein. It can be restricted to only up to a much lower amount. Yeah, and, and having strength training com- combined, combined with that yes. will really help. Not alcohol. Now, to our earlier one. Sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, not alcohol. With From episode your, sixteen. <laughs> yes. Not all proteins created equally. Uh, some are higher quality, better quality than others, and quality largely based on. Are you digesting it and using it efficiently? Just because you're getting 25 grams of protein doesn't mean you're using 25 grams of mm-hmm. protein. Depending on the source, you might be using 5 grams or 20 grams. Whey protein is a very high quality. It rates very highly in terms of digestibility ratings. Mm-hmm. Now, other ones that rate highly in digestibility ratings are soy isolate, which I'm not I'm not a fan of soy for for cancer and health reasons. Uh, that is something we can talk about in a future episode. Uh, casein, eggs, and dairy protein are all digested well. Mm-hmm. Now, do you recommend whey over those other uh, I actually, protein types? I actually recommend a blend of whey and casein. Okay. And the reason why is that um, <clears throat> whey and casein, when consumed together, stimulate more protein synthesis for longer than just whey or just casein alone. So, in other words, you'll be building more protein for a longer period of time if you consume those both together. Uh, that, that's the research that I've seen. So I usually recommend a whey casing blend. If you're not gonna do whey casing, I say definitely whey. Um, okay. The, what we call, how we measure is a nitrogen retention. Uh, we mentioned this in whatever that, that episode was, an earlier episode yes. about protein, that uh, it's- Nitri- Positive nitrogen balance. Yes, positive nitrogen balance. It's highest with whey. It's higher than chicken. It's higher than egg. Even uh, egg is like a ninety-two percent. I think whey is ninety-six. Uh, soy, I believe, is around eighty-four uh, percent. 
Um, and going off uh, just a comment on your different qualities of protein, they're, they're not created equal. Uh, you see a lot of advertising, hey, this is eight grams of protein, or this is, uh, I think we've mentioned this uh, in a previous podcast, I know we've talked about it, but uh, whatever, I think it's Einstein bagels or something, talking about how their bagel has just as much protein as an egg. Congratulations. It's wheat protein does not, does not measure up to whey or, or to egg or yes. to anything of the sort. So, and this is a problem that a lot of people who practice whatever form of vegetarian have, uh, or yeah, a problem that they, they, they run into is that they don't have complete proteins or yes. whey, whey or egg is a complete protein where, uh, if you're just relying on rice protein, you're lacking some amino acids and you need these, this, this full complete protein, all of your, what we call essential amino acids, which are essential, hence the name. Yes. Um, and if you don't have those, you don't have those in the right, right, right quantities, your ability to build protein decreases. So in other words, we want more quality protein rather than crappy quality protein. Uh, you know, we're not going to, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a really crappy source of protein. Pro- peanut. Protein, protein from peanut, yeah, protein from peanuts. That's great, yeah, there's protein in it, but it's it's not that good. No, it's pretty poor. <laughs> it's pretty poor. And yeah, it's not a, it's not a, we're, none of this is meant to be a, a pro or anti-omnivore or carnivore or vegetarian uh, commentary. We're, we're just saying these are ones that are shown to be more highly absorbed and used. Exactly. And if you are a vegetarian, we're not saying don't be a vegetarian or, or whatever form of vegetarianism. Vegan, veganism is part of vegetarianism. Um, we're saying that you should make sure you're getting a complete protein source. That's like mixing rice and beans. Yes. In summary, Kyle recommends caffeine... Oh, yeah. Beta alanine. Oh, yeah. I recommend whey protein, omega-3 fatty acids, and we both support creatine as supplements that are effective, that actually have been shown in research to lead to tangible, concrete benefit. Absolutely. And sometimes, I'm just being honest, I will mix all three of those that I recommended together. Caffeine, beta-alanine, and creatine. All in (laughs) one delicious shake. Now, I haven't read any research as far as the ability to absorb all three of those at the same time. So don't... You're just just, going crazy. I'm just going nuts and just putting stuff in a a container. (laughs) Anyway. That wraps it up for episode 17. As always... Kyle and I appreciate you listening. You can continue to find our episodes on SoundCloud and Apple Podcast. Boom. Thank you for listening. Everyone, have a great day. Thank you.